All right, everybody, welcome back to Monday's Down South, coming at you after week five in the NFL, um, another week in the books. We got the usual trio back on the line um, and another fun topic ready to go. So before we jump into it, uh, please give us a follow on Instagram, like this video on YouTube, subscribe to the channel or uh, follow us on Spotify as usual. Um, and I don't know, gents, should we break? We got something exciting for next week. I don't know. Should we just we just let them be surprised for uh, you know slight something slightly different coming next week or what think, do we think? I think we surprise them. I think we surprise yeah. them. All right, but anyway, don't don't expect the usual content next week. But we will have something for you that I think you'll enjoy. So, but without further ado, how are we doing, gentlemen? Go ahead, Zebo. Doing well, doing well, guys. As I was mentioning earlier, over here uh, at UNCC campus, trying to learn about tax deductions and other adult things but uh excited to take a break from that and jump straight into sports this weekend was crazy in terms of college football and nfl games now i know we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about the nfl but i wanted to check and see if you guys had seen what had happened in the miami georgia tech game the college yeah. football game yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i was going to bring up two college football games, one of which will not surprise you, Zach, but I'll save that for the intro to the segment because there's a reason I'm going to bring that up. However, the end to that game was insane. That is the most boneheaded coaching move I've ever seen in my life. Zach, you should give the uh, the listeners and viewers context. If, if they didn't see the play, you should, should let them know what exactly happened. Yeah, so essentially – Miami and Georgia Tech coming down to the wire. Miami's going to walk away with it, getting escaping it with a win. They're a ranked team. All they did do was just knee the football. But they decided to run, get a couple more yards. I don't know why that was the play call, but the running back ended up fumbling, and Georgia Tech recovered it. And then they had, I think it was like less than 15 seconds or something, and they turned around and threw like a 40-yard bomb into the end zone as time expired. So it was something that was completely preventable on Mario Cristobal's end. Um, probably didn't see that in his crystal ball, them losing, but, uh, unfortunately that is what happened. Um, but as a Hokie, I can't stand Miami. So any single time I see them lose, I'm happy. So a little bit of mixed emotions there, but, uh, yeah, definitely a boneheaded move. And, uh, definitely seems like, uh, Mario Cristobal has been watching this, uh, Los Angeles chargers possibly and the debauchery that comes from that head coach late in games, but I'll leave it at that. I'm sure every coach has a uh, you know someone that inspires them. So yeah, maybe it's Brandon Staley from Mario Cristobal. But uh, I don't know go. how long that guy's until he's going to get canned. I feel like he's been on the hot seat for years, and this is a bad one. <laughs> I, I think that makes sense. But that was I don't know, man. Like it's it, it's even it's not even like him making a bad play call. It's frustrating when you think of like like I'm, I'm not talking about sportsmanship, but gamesmanship, right? Like like what what like it's not even some big rivalry game like what prompts you to do that outside of spite for the team you're playing against right so 
that's the part that really rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, you know, you kneel and the game's over. Everybody, everybody knows that. So I just can't figure out what you're thinking there. Um, it's more the psychological I, element that pisses me off. I think it wouldn't have quite run. What is the play clock in college? It's not 40, right? Like it is in the NFL. It's less like 30, 35. It's 30. It's somewhere in like the thirties. Yep. I think there would have been a couple seconds left. So maybe he was thinking like, well, I don't really know what he was thinking, but I, it wouldn't have like just been kneel down and end the game. Um, but then you could have wasted the last few seconds just on a fourth down play, I think was it. So he was like, eh, let's just, we'll just run it and like end it. I, I don't know. But yeah, that's true. There's so many bad so things on one game. play. What's your college game? I'm curious. Okay. Well, uh, this will be a perfect little tie in, right? So our segment today, our, our initial segment, what we're going to start off with first is going to be a breakdown of our top five receivers in our lifetime of watching football, right? And that doesn't even necessarily mean guys that have played while we've been alive, but we're talking about guys that we've actually watched play football and, like, we act, we've we actually seen their game over the course of multiple years, right? So with that in mind, the reason I was inspired by this segment is I was in a group chat with the Austin peeps, Zach, Evan, you both met them. A lot of these guys went to UT Austin. And uh, I think the reason this conversation came up is they were trying to ignore Saturday because – for usual, the University of Texas Austin coming in with all the hype plays Oklahoma this weekend. They are down. They come back. They take the lead. I'm trying to give UT credit. I'm trying to be the guy that's like giving a team love that I've always given crap to. Not because I don't like the people or anything like that, but because they've always done a great job of being overrated or having all the recruits and finding a way to lose. And this weekend, I'm like, wow, they beat Bama this year. They turned over a new leave. All the UT guys are talking smack in the group mm -hmm. chat. Well, at least one of them, Jay Shaw, I'm calling your ass out. I'll tag you later. And what do they do? They go to the last drive. There's a minute and 20 seconds left. And they let Oklahoma run the entire field in a minute and 20 seconds. And the most frustrating aspect of it is their defensive coordinator was not ready for that at all. He sat in, what, he sat in like three deep coverage the entire drive just giving them first down after first down just letting them march up the field and this is college football where even if you don't have timeouts the clock stops while you're getting set up so it was some of the worst like coordinating i've seen and it was just pissing me off to watch it but at the same time i got a great chuckle after it because ut had me cracking up so anyway i had to bring it up because those guys are the ones that inspired the segment i think they were trying to move on from college football so they're talking about how tyreek hill cooper cup had amazing weekends and that kind of teed up the conversation of are they top five receivers in our minds? So that's why I thought of the segment and why I thought it'd be good to talk about. So that's my little spiel on that. And I want to get, get y'all's thoughts if you wanted to talk about that game for a second. If not, we can jump into the segment. I got nothing, but Zach's the uh, the Texas boy up there. So I, I love the Red River rivalry, though. It's awesome, man. I've been up to Dallas before. I've actually yeah. that's so the Cotton Bowl is right in the middle of Texas uh, or the Texas State yeah. Fair. So it's electric every weekend in the fall but um it's an awesome series i mean i was actually thinking about this not that we have to spend too much time on it but the michigan ohio state rivalry will always be the number one but i think a close two at this point is now texas and oklahoma i don't think there's another i think outside of those two rivalries no other rivalry beats that even clemson south carolina which i would say is top five but or maybe you don't know it's definitely a better one than clemson south carolina i'm not going to be dumb about that we've only been relevant for so long to actually be and on a national landscape to actually consider that on the same level however 
I will say we're at least not as delusional as as Texas fans, so we have that going for us. That's a good question. What are what are some of the other big ones I'm trying to think of? Backyard brawl, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. That's good because they truly hate each other. It's not good, yeah, because the teams aren't good anymore, but they truly like hate each other, which I like. You Um, said Bama LSU, right? Oh no, I didn't. Bama LSU is definitely top five, probably top three. It's probably especially because they're good, right? And then for a long time, Georgia, Florida was a big one, but they Florida struggled so much recently that that like neutral site game that they play every year is, isn't nearly as exciting. So that's another one. Yeah. Good choices. Should we kick Boys off the topic ready. side? Let's do, do it. it. So I'm going to tee it up. Um, I think I've already done the like preview for it enough, but yeah, we're going to talk about our top five receivers. And again, the parameters aren't like, Oh, statistics based, like who has played right. We've been live. No, the topic is who have we watched and who do we think are the best receivers we've watched play football on the field, right? And that's really what it comes down to. And I'm just going to – I'm going to tee it up that way, and I'm going to kick it over to Evan, start with number five, and just work your way up the list. Yeah, so I tried to I'm, – I'm going to go – I'm going to go way more recent then, maybe with some of these. Cool. So my number five is going to be uh, Devontae Adams. Um, I just think his connection with Aaron Rodgers while they were together was unbelievable to watch. I mean, they were just so on the same tune. The back shoulder throws, like the whole nine yards. His route running is elite. He has great hands. Um, you know, you can move them all over the field. Um, so this, you know, definitely one of a, of a recency bias just from someone that's, you know, been prominent in, uh, in my area, but, uh, yeah, Devonte Adams. What you got, Zebo? I like that one, Ev, uh, shifting gears for me, my five, and this is kind of like an honorable mention, but I figured some of ours will just get cannibalized yeah. inevitably, but, um, I'm going to go Steve Smith. Oh, he's a ring of honor player here at Carolina. Um, he actually still, he was actually just at a bar um, a couple weeks ago that I was at, but he was with all of his buddies and no one really wanted to go. He's very, very scary. I mean, he's like a beast, right? One of my favorite parts about Steve Smith was the fact that not only was he a great receiver, but he was super strong. Like he had superhuman strength. Every yep. single time he got in like a, a tussle with a cornerback, he came out on top. With there is Aqib Talib, Richard Sherman, Roman Harper, I mean, you name it. Like Steve Smith wanted the smoke, and I just really appreciated that about about him. But he was not only the best receiver in Carolina, but um, he was under you know six feet, um, had to work extra hard, uh, was an incredible route runner, and just superhuman strength, um, super reliable wide receiver. In the Cam Newton era, when they went what was it, 15-1 and one in 2015? Um, so I wanted to give him a quick shout-out. Yeah, I, I love that you picked that, Zach, because that's why this segment is so great, right? Because in my mind, I can probably think of 20 receivers that I think are better than Steve Smith, just like on, on in, the, in the notion of how I think they were on the field. But I appreciate you picked him because knowing you, you didn't pick him just because you think, like, he had the best hand or the best route running. You picked him because of, like, what he brought to his team, right? Like, it's not because he always had the best stats or because, you know, he was better than maybe some other guys you can name as an actual receiving talent. So I love that. I think that's an awesome pick for that reason. It's more like, you know, the intangibles. And Steve Smith is a dog. He's a small guy with, with a lot of energy. Um, he deserves to be mentioned for the ice up comment alone. That was, uh, that was a oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> He's a dog, dude. He's a dog. Keep to leave. Uh, you can go ask him the question because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. <laughs> he is <laughs> – He's an guy? absolute dog, man. I, I love elite, Steve Smith for that. Yeah. Elite trash talker. Elite trash talker. <laughs> All right, Cy. 
Okay. Number five, I struggled a lot with this, right? Because the bias in me, and I think if I watched him more as an adult, I would have definitely put him on my list because the bias in me wanted to go Marvin Harrison, right? The short-term thinking in me wanted to go Antonio Brown because if Antonio Brown played more seasons and didn't have his, you know, his his craziness off the field, I would easily have had Antonio Brown top three. Like that's how good he was in his peak. However, my decision was to go with someone that showed up year in and year out and played for a long time and, and showed out. And Larry Fitzgerald took number five for me. Mr. Receptions, Mr. Perfect Hands, Mr. Photographer, and Mr. Just I'm a good team player and I will do anything I need to do for my team to help them win, win or lose, never complained, never did any of that. He just came out every single week, young or old, and just balled. So Larry Fitzgerald's going to take my five spot and, and uh, definitely one of the best to ever do it in my eyes. Yeah, that was my next one. Um, and you also talked about some of my honorable mentions with Sorry, Antonio Evan, Brown. I got to stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I will, I guess I'll punt this one in that sense um, and just talk more about Larry Fitzgerald. Um, yeah. One of the things I loved about him is like you could use him in a variety of ways. I mean, towards the end of his career, he was primarily out of the slot, but you know, earlier in his career, he could win outside a ton, like good in the red zone, just like the most unbelievable hands you could possibly have um, and a nice long career. So. Um, so that was my four. Nice, easy segue. Uh, but Zach, I'll, I'll pass it to you since I'm running out of honorable mentions as well. That could have filled the spot. <laughs> so, so I'll pick on a guy that I'm sure you guys knew I was going to bring up, but let's just go with Julio Jones right now. Um, uh, unbelievable stud, you know, six foot three, um, had hands for days, was Mr. Reliable. I would say the one critique on him was even though he was a superhuman athlete, um, scheme like the Falcons scheme was to actually not throw to him in the red zone so we didn't get a lot of touchdowns this is right when Calvin Ridley came into the mix or Roddy White and they were usually the touchdown vultures in Atlanta um, but Julio Jones just from a talent standpoint he was uncoverable for a period of time um, and that duo between Matt Ryan and Julio was just incredible for years even in that Super Bowl game I know it was 28-3 and I hate to think about it but uh Julio had that unbelievable yep. awestruck catch um late in the fourth quarter which we thought was going to put it away um but he did everything in his power to to get them there but uh obviously they came up a little bit short but yeah Julio Jones slides in at the uh, four seed for me yeah I was actually I actually have Julio Jones as my fourth spot as well. You know me, I, I'm not, I might not be a Falcons fan, but I've always been a Julio truther. I love Julio Jones. I think the only reason he's not higher on my list is just he had a lot of injuries towards the end of his career where he kind of fell off a little bit more. And I think like if he could have had a few more seasons, I would have had him even higher. And really, I think he was really hamstrung by the uh, play calling in, in Atlanta, right? Because in reality, what's amazing about him is he played next to a guy like Roddy White early in his career. He played next to a guy like Tony Gonzalez early in his career. And even when he was playing with some of the best to do it on the Falcons, he still was balling. And that's a testament to how much trust they had him. I just, to this day, will never understand how the Falcons couldn't get him more involved in the red zone because statistically he would be on a different level if they knew how to do that. Um, but either way, Julio just purely, all you have to do is watch him play football for one game in his prime. And I mean, this guy could put up 250 yards and four touchdowns and make it look like he was sleepwalking out there. He's amazing. So Tulio's number four for me as well. Love it. So now I'm going to start digging into some of the the older guys that were earlier on in the, in my life. So my new my my analysis might be less nuanced other than um, kind of career stats and pedigree, but uh, Terrell Owens, um, also elite uh, nice. trash talker, um, just an overall dominant receiver, had some incredible antics off the field and on the field, you know, 
posing on the Dallas Star, the push-ups in his drive or the sit-ups in his driveway, you know, the works. So I hated him because, you know, especially for his time with the Eagles uh, tormenting the commanders. But, uh, um, you know, give him his props. Love that one. Love that one, man. Now, Ev, let me uh, ask you this. What was your favorite, like, when you watched Tia Reyes in our lifetime, did you like him the most in Philly, in San Francisco, or another t- or in Dallas, potentially? Like, when did you think Tia was most dangerous? Um, it's hard to say. I hated watching him in Philly against the Commanders. I'm not sure it was his most dominant era, but, um, I mean, some of the earlier years escaped me because, you know, I yep. wasn't uh, too nuanced as a, as a football fan then, but... Um, I mean, so I'd probably say those years just by default. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I have a good answer for that one. Yeah, I thought about – probably, probably go Philly. What about you, Cy? Yeah, I thought about T.O. as well. The thing is, I hear when he was on Dallas, he was like an unstoppable force, like is what a lot of people say. So it seems like those are his best years. But I agreed with Evan. Like I remember the Donald McNabb Super Bowl year. Um, that's what I remember T.O. from more. So that's why I would have to go with Eagles just because that's – all I remember watching him at. So that's right. that's the problem with my take as well. But he was amazing everywhere. So yeah. Now I know we're probably gonna cannibalize even more receiver series. We get to yeah. our, our top couple. So I'm gonna give another honorable mention here. Um okay. and it's gonna be Des Bryant, actually. Oh and Des was sneaky Damn. good in Dallas. Like sneaky good in, in the sense of when you look at all of the Dallas wide receivers, I mean he's not the, the top, right? Terrell Owens was better than Des Bryant, probably even in his Dallas days. But one thing I really liked about Des was the intensity and physicality, which I think was instrumental in knowing that those receivers could be successful in the NFL. So I look at A.J. Brown, I look at D.K. Metcalf. These are similar style players. But even in that, I I think Des had more finesse. Like Des was able to run more routes creatively. He wasn't just a specific deep ball guy or a a deep slant guy. He really, um, they incorporated him in the offense and they had him running a lot of different schemes. Um, But yeah, man, he was just intimidating. He was like the healthy amount of trash talk, but also could back it up with his game. And uh, I remember like back-to-back seasons, he was, I think, 13 or 14 touchdowns on top of 13, 1,400 yards. He was completely unstoppable, and uh, yeah, just wanted to give him a shout out because he was lethal back then. Yeah, that's that's a really good shout. I'm loving I'm loving the direction you're taking, Zach, because it's like you're not you're not just going with the guys that you you think are like best because of like their career longevity, but like kind of what you saw in them that made him more than just a player on the field. Like that's a great direction. And actually, I'm going to take a page out of your book because number three for me was Devonte Adams. There's not a lot to be said other than. I never believed that when he was playing with Jordy Nelson as the number two with Aaron Rodgers that Devontae Adams would turn into who he became. But I remember the season when Rodgers got hurt, and it didn't matter who he had at quarterback. You just saw his route running is maybe the best route running in NFL history. Like, that's the level of route running he runs. The way he just gets open in, in the end zone, it doesn't matter. He is such a finesse player and does it at a level that I just haven't seen replicated much. And so he's number three. But – since we already picked him, I do want to give a quick shout out to, I didn't have him on my list, but when we're talking about guys that showed out regardless of their quarterback play, DeAndre Hopkins for the majority of his career has played with next to nobodies and has absolutely just been a top five receiver the entire time. And I never gave him a lot of credit because he came from Clemson and he played at Tennessee, two teams that I never really, I never really like, 
you know, wanted to be affiliated with in, in the sense of giving him a lot of love. But when you mentioned Des Bryant, I was thinking of DeAndre Hopkins because he's a dog and he will he will take anyone on and, and no matter what his situation, he always balled out. So that's a guy that I think should deserve an honorable mention as well. It's a good one. That's a really good one. Solid one. I'll go to my number two, uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss is just unbelievable. I One thing I'll say about Randy Moss is I wish I got to see we got to see more of his career with Tom Brady because um, that was a short-lived uh, short-lived experience there but um gosh he was just uh an unbelievably dominant receiver um i don't i don't think i need to say much more than that but even having not seen his super early days but you know even just seeing the slightly older version yep this is where things are going to get interesting because i actually disagree and i I think i now know evan's list i'm going to go my number two was calvin johnson and not i mean from a stat standpoint randy wins but I'll even take it from a talent standpoint too. Calvin was able to run every route, but I just think Randy Moss did it longer and did it more consistently. Now you could say the quarterback play uh, with Matt Stafford, um, you know, when Calvin Johnson played, it was not for a winning organization. Randy Moss is a Super Bowl winner. Um, so that probably has something to do with it too. But those guys for me are both my one and two on my list. So maybe I can just kind of like, you know, Randy Moss is my one, Calvin's my two, but I will send it over Sizeway because I'm curious to get his thoughts on who he prioritizes one and two. I guess we can all roll this up into the same pick for the three of us, right? Because it looks like our two and ones are going to be the same. Uh, Evan, I'm assuming you had Calvin at one then? Yeah. Since Zach yeah. already brought it up. Yeah. yeah. So I had Randy two, Calvin one, same as Evan. And here's, here's, here's my take, okay? Mm. If you want to look at career, there is no – I will never fight anyone on saying that in the 2000s, like late 90s, 2000s, that Randy Moss was the best receiver in the NFL. I would never fight anyone on that because there's it's, – it's like arguing Jordan versus LeBron. Like he had a skill set that was unguardable, and no matter who he played with or where he played, he took the top off teams and set records and was insane, right? So – this is absolutely nothing against Randy Moss. He's an incredible player. The reason I had him at two is because I firmly believe that in any generation, with any player, in any situation, and on any team, Calvin Johnson would be the greatest receiver. I believe he would have been better. This is maybe the hottest take ever. I believe he would have been better than Jerry Rice on with with Steve with you know with Steve Young and with. Uh, um, I can't believe I'm. Uh, what, what am I talking about? Uh, give the goat. What's what's my guy's name? How am oh, I forgetting? Montana. Yeah, Montana. Montana. I I believe Calvin Johnson with anybody would have been the best player, not just because he's big and strong, but a lot of people because he's big and strong because he's this like six five like a LeBron looking dude, do not pay attention to the fact that this guy ran a forty that was like point like two seconds slower than Randy Moss. This guy ran like a four three. Four, like four three low four three forty at like six five, and he's one of the best route runners I've seen. And if you go back and look at the clips, there's like four defenders guarding Calvin Johnson on plays. When you go look back at the the Detroit team, because there was nobody else on that team. It was Matt Stafford, Rain, Calvin Johnson, and nobody else. And the guy would dunk on four people consistently. I mean, we watched him set the receiving record in our in in his prime right so i can't pick against that i think calvin johnson is not just one of the best receivers but one of the greatest players i've ever seen play football so that's why i pick him one so that's my that's my hot take on that one yeah can't argue there he's my number one just i mean a true unbelievable talent um you know shame his career wasn't as long as some of the other ones but i got got nothing to add i will also say this i think our recap segment is going to be a little bit shorter this week so i do have a quick follow-on to the segment that we had 
the part of the conversation that I had with the guys in the group, and this is a good, I think, topic of discussion. We listed our top five that we've watched in this modern era of like the receivers that are still playing guys like Cooper Cup, guys like Tyreek Hill, right? We already mentioned Devontae Adams because I feel like we've seen him do it for a few more years than those guys. Do you guys believe – how far away do you guys think like some of these guys are? Like can you think of somebody that you think – I'm not talking like Justin Jefferson because he's still young. Like obviously he's got a great shot at doing it. But I'm talking guys that have been doing it for like four or five years that maybe have a few years left. Do you think they're close in your book? Like do you think those guys will, will get in before they retire? What do you guys think? I actually was gonna have Tyreek Hill on mine, but I thought you would, so I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to spoil it. But I just think he's he's so much different than all the receivers we mentioned too, just because of his like truly unbelievable speed. And now that you see how Mike McDaniel is able to use him, um, you know, not that he didn't have a brilliant offensive mind before, because he was incredible yep. on the Chiefs. But like what Mike is doing with him is, um, you know, pretty unbelievable right now. So he's just yeah. unguardable. Yeah, Similar to the other guys, but in a different way. Ev has has Tyreek Hill surpassed Antonio Brown. That was what I was thinking too. Um, I would say probably for me. Yeah, I mean it's a good I argument like though. I like AB too. No, I think I still have AB. When when Tyreek was on the Chiefs, if you told me that he surpassed Antonio Brown, I probably would have chalked it up to, oh, he has Patrick Mahomes, like the greatest quarterback. Not that Ben wasn't good and all this, but now that I've seen him go to the Miami and be just as dominant, if not more dominant in a different system and whatever it is, it made me realize like what Evan said, he's one of a kind. Um, but that, that's the thing. I made the exact same comparisons. And I was like, would I put him over Antonio? Cause they're both smaller receivers that mm. run similar routes. Um, but at the same time, they're very different. Like Antonio Brown is closer to like a Devonte Adams kind of player. He's a receptions, like destroy you with the route running kind of player. And Tyreek is the fastest player that you've ever seen at receiver just take the top off. He's more like a Randy Moss, like, you know, in, in the way that he plays. So I don't fault Evan for that. I, I think he's like pretty close. And if he does it for another, like a few more years, like he's probably going to make a lot of people's list because the numbers he's putting up is stupid. Now, what do you guys think of Cooper cup? Because we're talking about a guy who put up, it's really hard with them because he's like very much like a slot, like dominant receiver. But we're talking about a guy that, literally had one of the greatest wide receiver seasons ever. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. Zach. Mm-hmm. I've never been the biggest Cooper cup fan. And mm-hmm. I know I'm in the wrong here because I, I just don't see it, but he obviously his results have proved that. And my roommate, you know, we all know him really well. Brian Jones, he is obsessed with Cooper cup mm-hmm. and he's obsessed with him because he doesn't do anything outrageous. He just finds his way open. He just knows the pockets of when to be open and he uses his body weight to really throw the corner off bar. It's just like those subtle movements that make him extraordinary. And that, that is special. But, you know, for me, I just think of like the top receivers and I think of like a Devonte shiftiness or uh, Calvin Johnson's, um, you know, jumping ability or like, you know, contested catch or Terry McLaurin's to contested catches. Like I just, you know, with some of these top receivers, there's that concrete, like, oh, they do this. And I just don't really quite see that with Cooper Cup. He's just that consistently good. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a ways off, but he's probably third in terms of active receivers for me. Like, uh, as you mentioned, side, not, you know, in, in terms of actually having a full body of work. But like with the injuries, too, it really was that one massive season. And yeah, still when he's on the field, he's unbelievable, but he's just been so injured, too. Um, in his career, but, um, I'm thinking maybe third in terms of active receivers that combined kind of single season with actual, like somewhat longevity. So, yeah, I think intelligence is a, is the big thing with him, right? Like 
if he's had more longevity, I think he might crack it for a lot of people because a lot of people say, and you can see it when he's on the field, like, you know, people focus a lot on quarterback's intelligence when it comes to offense. One thing with Cooper Cup is a lot of people say he's like, he's like a quarterback's mind at the wide receiver position, which is what makes him an unstoppable force, like across the field and in the red zone. Like, like I, I heard like he had a huge impact on Puku being as good as Puku is now because Cooper is just such a genius about being like, when you go here, cut this way. When your quarterback does this, do that. And that's just, that's so creative. So I got to respect intelligence. I've always been, you know, as a Peyton fan. So I, I want to give him the nod. And if he played a few more seasons, he'd be right there with Tyreek for me. So we'll see. But he's getting older. So um, probably, probably won't quite make it. But just want to make an honorable mention. Anyway, that's the wide receiver segment. You guys got anything else? If not, I'll let you guys, you know, take over for recaps. I got, I got a hot take here, actually, on a receiver in the NFL. And he's not there yet, but I think that this guy is going to be oh, he's going to be up there with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in terms of this new generation of receivers. So if we look three, four years down the road, I think the three best receivers are going to be Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and George Pickens. I think he is actually that good. I, I really do. And he is putting up numbers even with Kenny Pickett throwing him the ball. And let's be honest, even though Pittsburgh is 3-2 and two right now, they look abysmal and they look very questionable. And no one really knows what direction they're going to go in, which is like Pittsburgh the last four or five seasons. But I think George Pickens is an unbelievable talent. And I think he has the ability, the athletic ability, to be a top three receiver in the NFL consistently give it like two or three years, but I wanted to get you all thoughts on that. You want to know why George Pickens isn't going to be top three in the next three to four years? Because Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be number one <laughs> starting in two years. He's going to be right That's there with Justin Jefferson. That's a good point. Chase. So next year, bro. <laughs> it's, so, I know, yeah. right? it's so funny to think about. Pickens is okay for me. He, the yard after catch isn't really there, although he has made a couple big runs this year, but, um, you know. Yeah, I'm not. See. He has a lot of talent, though. I don't want to take that away from him. That play was yeah. awesome. Maybe it starts us into recaps on that game. But that, I don't know if you saw that, that Kenny Pickett just completely Crazy. ignored Matt Canada's call and shouted Randy Randy out to the side, which was, oh, we got one on one with George Pickens. I'm going to go win the game right here. And he threw it to him. Uh, that was pretty sick, uh, sick moxie stuff from Kenny Pickett. And Zach, we were on the Steelers going into the year. And you, as you mentioned, they still don't really look like that good of a team, but they're in first place in that division. So maybe we were on to something. I mean, this is this is what the Steelers do. This is what the Steelers do. They muck it up and they find a way to win. So I don't know. I also want to say Kenny – or sorry, George Pickens is not, in my mind, better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I think there's – a few other guys he needs to pass in my mind because Garrett Wilson is an absolute dog. And the only reason we haven't seen him be even better than he has been is because the poor guy has had starting quarterback in the NFL throw him the football. And if Aaron Rodgers was here right now, I bet, bet you we'd be talking about him as top five this season, if not higher. Oh, I think, see, this is where I disagree. And and this is where this would actually be a poll or like a, definitely a clip we pull. Let's do it. My, my two cents is, I think that George Pickens is a head and shoulders above Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Oh my gosh, Zach. You're yeah, we're pulling that, that clip. That's for sure. I can't that. wait. I'm telling you, I'm telling you he is more talented. This. He is. Oh my gosh. I mean, he is incredibly talented. He is. He is. He's incredibly talented. Garrett is, Garrett is unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But we'll put that up as a clip and 
see what everyone else thinks. I think I'm That's probably good. the wrong one, but I, I see something in Pickens that I'm really excited I about. I cannot wait to see what the haters say about that one. But <laughs> you also teed it up perfectly because I think Evan's probably been itching all weekend to talk a little smack about the Ravens. So if you want to do that, now's probably the time. We can jump into recaps. Not, I, I like that um, that pick or uh, clip sack because we I feel like we need to make more positive clips. Otherwise, the haters just get after us. So, you know, maybe True. we'll get some, some Pickens love in the comments. But, yeah, honestly, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch as much ball as I, um, you know, typically do. But I did get to watch most of that Ravens-Steelers game. Um, this is a hard one because I, I want to be like, oh, Lamar was awful again. And, like, you know, Lamar is trash. The Ravens are trash. But, like, his receivers, like – Yep. Obviously, I, I didn't watch Come On Man today, um, if they did it, but like, yeah. I've never seen such a bad game from a receiving core in my life. I mean, it's one thing to drop like contested catches that like could have changed the game. Like, there were several like clear, wide open, like we would have caught like in the bread basket, like just easy passes, Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Odo Beckham goes out with an injury, like. That receiving core should be truly embarrassed because dropped passes definitely cost them that game. Um, and I can't even hate on Lamar because it's like, you know, you can't really evaluate his stats with all those drops. Um, but the Ravens as a team are kind of continue to be the same team we've seen over the last handful of years. Um, that there's just something missing. And this year it seems to be the wide receiver group. Interesting. I'm surprised that we haven't talked about Matt Canada's burner account on Twitter. <laughs> Because he's getting lit up, the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh. I've got to flame him here. I guess this is probably a good opportunity to do it right now. Matt Canada, if you're listening to this, this is this is bad, man. I mean, your team is three and two, yet you have not been able to put any sort of offense together with a first round pick quarterback draft pick. You got to get it together. Your defense is bailing out of you multiple games, and you're spending time on Twitter responding to haters. I mean. That is as bad as it gets. Even through Chris Boss or uh, what's his name, Bossworth under the bus, the kicker for the Steelers, because the kicker had a a few choice words for Matt Canada celebrating a victory recently, and he shouted, and the kicker shouted out at him, "Oh, it was to no thanks to you or something like that." And so, what does Matt Canada do? He gets on his burner account and he tweets terrible things about Chris Bosworth. Just an all around really really bad look. But Sal, I'll pass it over to you and. Take us to another game here. I, I will take it over to another game, but one thing I do want to say really quickly is Baltimore um, specifically, you're 100% right about the receivers. I will give Lamar a little bit of flack because even though they didn't help out, he still made some bad decisions. He was probably frustrated with how many drops there were. But, for example, the reason the Steelers won that game is because of that goal line fade where he just like – it wasn't a fade. He just threw it behind the defender instead of putting it up in the air for – Odell to actually make a play on it. So he did make some bad throws. However, it's not just the receivers too, Evan. That offensive line, like the pass rush was in his face literally in two seconds every single play. And they don't have a run game right now, partially because people get hurt. And then the other part, because there's no consistency. I never know what they're doing with their running backs. It's like, pick one and stick to them, dude. Nobody ever gets a rhythm because you guys want to just keep cycling them in and out. It makes no sense to me. I I, I sound like such a hater, but sometimes I watch offensive coordinators in the NFL and I'm like, how are you an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Like, it makes absolute like it, it actually pisses me off. Get the ball to your best player. It's as simple as that. Um, I'll go back because, like I said, I didn't get to watch as much ball this weekend. But uh, I'll come to terms with the Commanders Thursday night performance. Uh, worst, uh, worst Commanders loss I think I've been alive for. To be quite honest with you, like to come off a game, to come off a game where you like. 
and this is what they always do. Like they have a good performance and like I they they kind of suck me back in and I'm like looking at the roster on spot track and like looking at PFF grades and like really getting into the weeds on them. And then they come out against a winless team and allow 40 points. 40 points, gentlemen. Um right. just I, I like I said, it's really the most pathetic game I, I've seen um as a fan. With that said though, I do think people bearing the commanders, which is fair, and I'm not trying to duck that criticism, like are maybe bearing the lead that the Bears are starting to turn into what we thought they might be going into the season. Justin Fields looks way better the last two se- or last uh, two games, including the Denver game to an extent. DJ Moore looks like a number one receiver. Um, things are starting to come together a little bit. So I don't want to bury the lead that the Bears might actually be starting to get better. Um, but yeah, the commander should be truly embarrassed. Uh, Ron Rivera's checked out. Um, so... I think I'll make it through the year just because it doesn't matter, but you know. Yo, Zebo, I'm looking at you, boy. It's time to talk your smack, man. You came out last week. You said Justin Fields is is that dude. He's a riser. Evan questioned it. I said Justin Fields is a riser in fantasy. Evan said we, he has no value and we should trade him. And then Justin Fields came out and just dogged again week to week. So it's your time to talk your smack, Zebo. I was looking forward to this, but I, you know, I already talked so much smack on Matt Canada that I'll probably be a little bit nicer towards <laughs> E. But, but I would challenge E to not look at the existing, but look at the futuristic environment. I feel like Ev gets wrapped up into what is going on right here, right now. Got to look back on Fields is not terrible. He he does he make really bad throws. He missed tons of throws in the Washington game, actually. But yeah, I was gonna say. Just- He's, he's if, you, if you pressure him, he still looks awful. Like the second yeah. half, their offense yeah. did nothing because we were like, all yeah. right, our pass rush isn't doing anything. We're going to blitz. They didn't move the ball at all. Um, they just had such a big lead, they were able to hold on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean he's looked a lot better, but that's coming from, like I said last week, like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So maybe he's more in the middle. Yeah, than, yeah, but... he's, yeah, he's not like top 10 or something. He's, but he's, he is right. one of the best fantasy quarterbacks again, which I'm happy about. Yep. Yep. Another game, Zach? Yeah. The problem with, uh, and just lasting on the uh, Washington front, the problem that Washington is dealing with is that, hey, we're going to rush four and we're going to play, we're going to take those DBs, we're going to just put them on two different sides and play a lot more zone coverage. It, you're starting to see the holes there. I mean, DJ Moore attacked every cover two hole that they ran. The problem is Forbes is starting to get exposed. And, yep. um, and they're going to have to, they're going to have to solve that, but I think they will. And, and Washington is not out of it yet. Um, they, you know, they got some time, but uh, the next game is the Bengals versus the Cardinals. Bengals are back. And um, maybe I should turn some of that uh, over to Mr. Kuna here, who had some choice words for Joe Burrow last week and kind of questioned whether they are going to get this thing up and running. But 100%. I think the, the quick uh, resolution was just throw it to Jamar Chase. And uh, obviously they did that, and they did that successfully. And Jamar was showing, hey, by the way, Justin Jefferson, my old teammate, he's getting all this love. Make sure you guys don't forget about me either. So it was good to kind of see the Bengals claw their way back in. Uh, still made some mistakes. Joe Burrow played, played pretty well. Um, uh, but I do have a uh, poll for the fans over here. Maybe we can clip, clip this one too. But um, based on the Bengals and Cardinals game, I've been receiving some information from some of my Charlotte friends that I look like Josh Dobbs. So should I be Josh Dobbs for Halloween? I'm already wearing the maroon. This could possibly happen. So I'm curious to see what the audience thinks. And if I do get positive responses, that's going to be my Halloween costume this year. So Josh Dobbs is in the works. 
I think if you go to Arizona or Tennessee, you should dress up as Josh Dobbs. Otherwise, you're going to be getting asked for the rest of Halloween night. Hey, uh, why are you? <laughs> Nobody knows who Josh Dobbs is, dude. <laughs> Mr. Clean is by far and away your best outfit, man. There you go. I'll stick to that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Josh Dobbs definitely does not have enough name recognition for that to uh, that to work well <laughs> in modern society. Like, you'll get the two NFL fans that'll come up to you and be like, "Dude, this is amazing." But, uh, that would, yeah, be, exactly. it. That would like, be it. That's like me saying I'm going to dress up as Mister Bakulik for Halloween, man. Like, I'd be like, "Who are you?" <laughs> I already look like him, man. I just need a brown wig, and I'm, I'm, I'm him like immediately. That's true. That's true. Um. Wait. I don't I haven't cracking up so much. It made me lose my train of thought. No, I will say this. I'm really glad I'm so I was super wrong about Joe Burrow. Um it, the thing is I you know, I gotta admit defeat when it was. I really thought with the way he looked the first couple of weeks that like maybe he was just playing really injured. Because it, it's not like I've ever doubted Joe Burrow's talent. I always picked him to beat people like Josh Allen and stuff, but it was more that I was concerned that he wasn't gonna be able to bounce back. I realized it was against probably one of the worst defenses or one of the worst teams in the NFL um, in, you know, that he came back on, but still he looked a whole lot better with his throwing and the way he hung in the pocket. Um, and honestly, I'm glad I was wrong because the NFL is just a better place when Joe Burrow is balling. And uh, like Jamar Chase said, he's like a seven 11. He's always open. Shout out Jamar. Any other, I got some honorable mention commentary. We are running a little long here. Um, yeah. So we should just jump into picks too. But uh, sure. do you guys have any kind of uh, just one-off commentary about these games? Yeah, the Cowboys are overrated, and the San Francisco 49ers should be picked <laughs> every week on the spread. I can't say this enough. Evan, I can't believe you're not at least taking a second to destroy the Cowboys, man. That was one of my honorable budget comments. I predicted three interceptions from Dak, and he delivered. Um, he just, that was my people. Yeah, they're just, they're just they're just trash. Um, their defense is starting to show holes to Micah. I think he's dealing with maybe a small injury that's not making as much headlines um, anymore. Hasn't been as effective. And, uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs going out is a big loss. Um, and, yeah, the Niners are just a juggernaut. They're um, unbelievable at this point. Yep. Brock is shoving. Mike or, uh, Kyle is, uh, you know, carving, carving up defenses just in an unbelievable fashion. Shout out Dan yep. Quinn, his old... Uh, you got, you got to let me know if you're taking your Brock take back at all, because I do recall you saying at some point you think Darnold's going to take over. Um, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But I said it could be due to injury, though. This uh, is true. It was more of a pro. But my take about Brock isn't that he's not going to play well on the 49ers. Like, I expect him to be amazing on the 49ers. He has mm. maybe been even more amazing, but, like, all four of his touchdowns were receivers just wide open. Like, mm -hmm. this guy mm -hmm. has such an yeah. easy job, and that was my whole take, is that he couldn't do this or anything close to it and even really even be a starter mm. on another team um, True. because it's just such an easy job. But uh, my other takes yeah. is a good call. I don't know if it was Cy or Zach. I think maybe Cy that uh, the chat uh, being on the Jaguars, having the second week in London, um, really good performance by them. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I think there's been this narrative that the Eagles like, uh, you know, don't look that good and like aren't as good or playing as well. I think we need to stop that nonsense because at this point they're like six and zero, and everyone keeps saying that they're due for a loss uh, or five and zero. I should say. Obviously, it's only been five games, but and they just keep rolling. So um, I wanted to shout them out. And then the Cowboys is my yep. last one, so I'm good. Yep. Cool. Picks. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. All right. Last week again. Monday Night Football is still ongoing, um, so we'll have to finalize the tally after tonight. But I think you guys will be tied for the win. 
um one game ahead of me yet i think you guys are like nine and um i think it was like nine and five or something and i was like eight and six or something like that so mm-hmm. um not an amazing week by any of us pretty close across the board seems media parlay goes two for three again um so we're just chur- churning out solid two for threes um jump into this week uh thursday night football is denver at kansas city uh, Kansas City is a 10.5-point favorite. Over-under is 49. Um, Silas, you know, get this out of the way. I'm finally doing it, man. I'm finally taking the underdog against Kansas City. I just feel like it's Uh-oh. it's time for it's time for Russell Wilson to show out. Yeah, right. Are you kidding me? Kansas City by a million, uh-huh. dude. They're covering. I love that you guys believe me. That made me happy. Kansas City by a million. Cover. Yeah. I'll say I'll say no cover. I don't really have any reason for that, but uh, Zach? Uh, Kansas City wins, no cover. No cover, 10 and a half. Damn, All man. right. Uh, looks like we got another London game this week, which is fun. Um, new teams this week. We got Baltimore at Tennessee. Baltimore is a three-point favorite. Over-under is 40. We'll start with Zach. I hate both of these teams. I hate both of these teams. Whatever the outcome is, I do not feel comfortable betting on this game. Um I think the Titans are going to win this game. Money line. Tennessee. It's, it's Baltimore three-point favorite, you said? Yeah. I'm going Baltimore to cover. Yeah, this could be a situation kind of like the Bengals was last week where we, like, when a team burns us, we should almost back-to-back it because they, you know, might play yep. better. But uh, So I got Baltimore winning and covering. Um, next game, ooh, Zach, this will be fun for us. Uh, Washington at Atlanta. Um, 1 p.m. Atlanta is a two and a half point favorite as it stands right now, coming off a nice win against Houston. Over under is 42. Um, Sai, you can start us off. One heck of a win for Atlanta last week. Um, I'm gonna go Commanders. Give me the Commanders. Go, go get that double on the road. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Commanders in a bounce back performance. Zach, thank you guys, and I love the Falcons, but I don't think the Falcons are as good as. Everybody thinks they are. Give me the commander's money line here. I actually really like this spread and uh, oh, underdogness. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> next game, <laughs> Minnesota at Chicago. Um, Minnesota's a three-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 46 and a half. I'll start us off. Um, I actually had Chicago. I, I usually predict my spreads as a way of picking them. I had Chicago as a favorite here. I'm surprised it's Minnesota minus three. Minnesota's trash. Um, and like I said, I think Chicago is kind of turning the corner um, and they have a couple extra days to prepare um, or I guess more so rest. But um, Chicago outright at home. And Zach. we don't even know if, it, if Justin Jefferson's playing. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. That's well, point. is Khalil Herbert playing? No, he's definitely no. out. They might have all their running backs out. Um, Roshan with the concussion luckily has a couple yeah. extra days, which maybe gives him a chance, although it's usually really hard to go. Deontay Foreman is, is healthy now, though, so they might they might have somebody. Yeah. yeah. Well, they will have someone Minnesota. to play, that's for sure. Give me, exactly. give me Minnesota. Uh, I think Minnesota's going to win in cover. Okay. Sorry. This is hard. I mean, I think with – you said it's in Chicago too, right? Yep. I got to pick Chicago, man. It just seems – it seems dumb not to pick them right now. Nice choice, Cy. Um, next game is a really interesting game. I like this a lot. Seattle at Cincinnati. Seattle coming off a bye. Um Cincinnati is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. We'll start with Zach. Give me Bengals win and cover. I think the Bengals start getting things together. They had the kind of 
oiled the uh, machine there last week. They did it, and uh, I think they're going to continue that. Sai? I always want to give Seattle love, but then I end up not giving them love because they always play well. So I don't know why, but I still I just lean Joe Burrow getting things back on the right track and on the same page. I think Cincinnati wins this game and covers. Yeah, Seattle's really good in coming off a bye. Uh, they're going across the country. It's a tough one. Uh, I, I will take Seattle, or Cincinnati to win and uh, cover, though. I think Joe Burrow's starting to look healthier and knows that he needs to just pepper Jamar Chase. Yep. Um, San Francisco at Cleveland's our next game um, at 1 p.m. San Francisco's only a five-point favorite. Um, Over-under is 39. Cleveland's coming off a bye. Uh, Zach, who you got? San Francisco winning cover. I know the spread is that for a reason, but I'm not going to deny them until I'm wrong. So San Francisco winning cover. If y'all don't let me bet this one, I quit. I genuinely will quit. San Francisco winning cover. Yeah, I mean. I think it should be way higher than that. It's probably be double digits for everyone they play. Um, San Francisco winning cover. Next game, Carolina at Miami. Um, another 1 p.m. game in the Miami Sun. Miami is a 13.5-point favorite. Over-under is 48.5. Size, kick us off. I just want to say I'm proud of us guys for picking a double-digit favorite at home for once, and it paid off in spades they should have won by even more than they did i'm picking miami again no questions asked to cover that 13 points give me that as well yep uh that is three for three there one worry is uh devon a chan um i said a chan mm-hmm. again um i'm a little worried about this knee injury he picked up the lack yeah. of a ton of noise about it makes me think it's actually kind of bad it sounds like it might be just be like a three-week mcl sprain or something but mm-hmm. keep your eyes out for that i'm a little worried about that just because of how quiet it's been yeah, but they got they got um, Wilson back, and most are still great. So I don't want to make it seem like they're not going to be able to run the ball. Yeah, no, the, the team will be fine, but just yeah. from a you know storyline perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, next game: Indianapolis at Jacksonville. This is a one p.m. game. Um, Jacksonville is a four-point favorite at home with Gardner Minshew at the helm. Um, over/under is forty-six and a half. Um, I'll start uh, Jacksonville. I'll say winning cover. Um, given that Minshew's playing, although he's looked so good. So, I don't know. Zach? Man, this can be a good game. So much I wish I could be there. Um, I'll go ahead and say Jacksonville wins and covers. Um, I, I think this can be a really interesting game. Jacksonville coming back from London, Indianapolis with uh, Jay Taylor back. It's going to be really exciting. Divisional matchup. Give me Jacksonville wins and covers at home. For reasons beyond rationality and for other reasons I don't want to state, I'm picking Indy to win and cover. Or money line, I should say. Love it, love it. Oh, wow, this baseball game just got crazy. Um, New Orleans at Houston is the last 1 p.m. game. New Orleans is a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 41-and-a-half. I'm going to take Houston to win outright. Everyone's you know, maybe jumping back on New Orleans after they killed the Patriots, who are hapless at this point offensively. Um, also, Houston has a bounce-back performance offensively and wins this outright. Zach? Mm, I'm tempted to do the same thing. Alvin Kamara started to get going, though, for New Orleans, and their defense is lethal. But I think C.J. Stroud is good enough to get the job done. Give me Houston wins and covers as well. I think New Orleans took a step up. I think Houston took a step down. So I'm going to take the momentum, and I'm going to take New Orleans wins and cover. All right, moving on to the 4 p.m. slate. Uh, New England at Vegas. Belichick versus McDaniels. Um, Las Vegas is a, it's currently a three point spread for Vegas at home, but that is subject to change based on how they look tonight. Um, against Green Bay over under is 42 and a half. Let's start with Zach. 
Uh, give me New England, actually. Mac Jones benched the last two games. That's not good, but Bill Belichick's going to cook something up, and the Las Vegas Raiders are the are the perfect uh, victim here in that situation because they don't really have a great defense. Uh, Chandler Jones is done. I mean, he you know, Las Vegas has nothing promising. I just think New England's going to come out and weirdly play well in this game. Well, you know, every every part of me should pick the Raiders because I do believe they'll win the game. But I just love to see the idea of Bill Belichick beating up on Josh McDaniels because I just don't like Josh McDaniels. So for that reason, I'm going to pick Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Yeah, both of these teams are terrible. Um, fun fact, do you guys remember how the game ended last year on the pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo oh, yeah. tie game? That game oh, was yeah. epic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see what they got kicked up this year. Um, I got the Vegas winning and covering. Uh, next game, Arizona – at the Rams, uh, Rams are six and a half point favorites. Size starts off. Rams win and cover. I'll say no cover. Zach. Rams win and cover. All right. Looks like James Conner is going to be out. By the way, what a bummer! But he's always hurt at one point or another. Philly with the Jets. Um, six and a half points for Philly. Over under is forty two and a half. Um, Zach, unfortunately, didn't look great this week, which is a real bummer. But say Philly wins but doesn't cover. Zach? I think Philly is going to win and cover. Um, I like that minus 6.5. The moment it goes north of 7, I'm out. But uh, I do like Philly winning and covering here. Yeah, Philly wins and covers. All right, Zach, you sounded like you're on Shark Tank there. I love it. Um, I'm also, like, twirling the pen, so I just look a lot smarter than I actually am. So, love the audience. Love it. Next game, Detroit at Tampa Bay. This is a sneaky, interesting game. Um, Detroit's a three-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 44. Let's start with Cy. I don't even think it's sneaky interesting. I got all my all my chips in on Detroit right now. Detroit winning cover. They could be turning into a juggernaut. I'm just going to say it. Detroit winning cover. Zach? Detroit winning cover as well, but I do want to take a deeper look at Jameer Gibbs and Amon St. Brown for this next week and see if they're going to play. They did both test yes. last week and still balled. I will say that. Yep. Yeah, but it's the Panthers. <laughs> True. <laughs> and Tampa Bay is coming off a bye, which always True. helps it next week. To prefer. Uh, Sunday Night Football. Oh, boy, this is going to be a great game. Uh, a, a New York rivalry <laughs> of sorts. It's the Giants at the Bills. Biggest spread of the week. It's Buffalo minus 14 coming off a loss in London. Sai, kick us off. I mean, why not? Buffalo win and cover. Sure. Yeah, I'll say no cover. I think the Giants maybe come out, show some fight. Maybe they get Saquon back. I don't know. but Zach. I'm with Evan here, too. Win, but no cover. That 14's a little little high. but Isn't isn't Daniel Jones potentially out? Oh. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's the case. Giants money line. <laughs> I love it. Uh, last game, Monday Night Football, Dallas at the Chargers. Pretty interesting Monday Night Football game here for once. Um, Dallas is a two-point favorite on the road. Um, I'll start us off. Brutal game to pick. Um, probably okay. two of my least favorite teams to bet. Um, I'll say the Chargers find a way to win, though, outright. I think they'll be able to score on Dallas, um, and Dallas's offense is, just doesn't look good at all right now. So Chargers money line. Zach? Yeah, this is hard, too. I think based off of the bye week, plus Eckler comes back healthy, I think the Chargers are going to come out and win again. Um, they're just, you know, the Cowboys just got smacked around, so it's it's hard to pick them right now. And 
Ev, I do appreciate this uh, Shark Tank reference, but I cannot go with Mark Cuban's Dallas guys this uh, this time around. So give me the Ooh, Chargers here. Nice, that was nice. That was clever, Zach. I think uh, I think I'm gonna, I gotta go Chargers. Um, and I and obviously Dallas could very easily win this game, but I just think like I, I'm a Chargers truther at this point. So I'm Chargers. Interesting. All right, that's the board, gents. So let's we'll come up with another uh, another parlay. Um, like I said, stay tuned for what we have next week. Won't be your traditional episode, but I hope you, uh, hope everyone checks it out and enjoys it. Uh, what do you guys got? I do have a quick little note, Evan, from a prior episode that you and I were on the one, the week that Zach missed, we gave our predictions of trades or what should happen with trades. I want to, I want to make a quick statement. If Justin Jefferson does indeed miss this week and Minnesota loses this game, the jets need to pick up the phone and offer a second round pick for Kirk cousins right now. And just go get him. Just go get him. Because their team outside of Wilson looks very good. Go get Kirk Cousins. I'll leave it at that. I wanted to say that earlier and I forgot too. So there you go. I love it. My honorable mention is going to be hockey, actually. Connor Bedard makes his NHL debut this week. The kid is 18 years old and he's probably going to come in immediately and uh, dice up the NHL, which is just like, it's unbelievable when kids that young just go pro and like are That's immediately awesome. impactful. So keep an eye out for that one. That's awesome. My Zach. shout out is uh, we did talk about the Baltimore Orioles earlier, um, but a cool statistic about them is they have not been swept in any series out of the 162 games they played. Zach, Zach, why are you doing knock this? On wood, knock on wood that this is not the uh, the change here, but uh, Orioles down 2-0. Got to go play on the road, but uh, I still believe in the guys here. Ev, F- believe in them. Got it. Yeah. I didn't know we got Joe Buck on our podcast. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> The the good news is, like you said, never been swept. That even if we lose tomorrow, that stat will still hold and carry over to next year. It's a regular season stat. That's the good news. Best road team in in baseball. Um, those are the good news. The rest of it is not good news. So, but Zach, good I think you just jinxed it, which is not not great. But I knocked on yeah. wood, man. I knocked on wood or whatever oh, this platform God. is. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Um, I guess that's a wrap. <laughs> At least you didn't say book it. I yeah. continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's trust me, bro. Trust me. Trust me, bro. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say arbitrage this time around. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> we missed a lot of right. catchers working. All, all right, right, you guys. All right. It's Mondays down south. Mondays down south.